Uh, we've looked at, I don't know if you've recognized, but we've actually, we went through First Peter, now this is Second Peter, and we're concluding Second Peter tonight, Lord willing. Uh, the, the first chapter we looked at the explanation of real knowledge, you remember that? And then the last week we looked at the examination of real truth, and tonight we want to look at the, okay, that looks weird. Can I control it from here? I can't control it from here. Not with that thing. Let's try this. It's off. Let's try this. Aha! Look at that. Ah, that's the one. That's where we're at. We're looking at uh, the exhortation to the real beloved. Um, There are real, that's really small, there are uh, real beloved and there are false brethren. And the scripture is very clear about that. There's, there's probably a lot of scripture on it, but I just wanted to bring you to two just to kind of prove the concept. And that is false brethren are dangerous. Uh, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26. Paul said, uh, I've been in perils with water, perils with robbers, perils, perils of my own countrymen, perils with Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness perils in the sea, and in perils among false brethren. So, however he defined that, there are such things as brethren who would have to be called false. And then they're also, and they're dangerous because they're perilous. That means that they threatened him in some way. And uh, that's a reality, and a lot of people think that that could never happen by somebody that you thought was a brethren, but it is, it is true. And there's false brethren that are very domineering and want to control. And that's one of the dangers of them. Uh, Acts chapter 20 talks about that. Uh, Galatians 2 and verse 4 says, This occurred because of false brethren uh, secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. They wanted to control things. That uh, one of the things that's really dangerous about religion in general is it can be used as a money-making method. Uh, another thing it can be used in is a control method. And so sometimes religion is just a thing to control the masses and preachers and popes and everything like that can just get into, it's all about their ego and they're controlling you and you, do, you know, basically it's an ego boost for whoever's in the leadership and they keep you in place by scaring you to death. So that's, that's a real possibility. And you just need to be aware that that does occur. But if there are false brethren, they have to be real beloved, right? And, and that's where we're going tonight. Did that move? Did that move? No, there it is. Okay. Uh, the real beloved are always being tested. So, b- beloved, if you don't realize this, this is your life. <laughs> Welcome to it. Uh, you are going to be tested all of your life. This is not something that will happen to a few of you and not to others. If you're the true believers tonight, you are under test. And if you're not being tested right now, it's just a brief pause. There'll be one in a day or so. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 and 8 says, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? If you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So not only does God put us through tests, but he literally punishes us for things we do wrong. 
You say, well, I don't believe God would do well. Well, you believe wrongly then because God will punish you for thinking wrong and doing wrong to correct you. Not the punishment of eternal destruction, but just the idea of getting you to realize that was not a smart thing to do. And I need to do things differently. James 1 verses 2 through 4 says, My brethren, that's you, the true brethren, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work. It's got something to accomplish that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. So the goal of trials of your faith is to make you stronger and grow and become a more mature uh, believer. First Peter chapter four, verse 12 says, beloved, uh, again, to the true beloved, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. In other words, I'm the odd person out. No, you're not. Uh, you say, well, but my trial is so different from everybody else's. Yes, that's true. Just like everybody else's. You're absolutely unique, just like everybody else. And your trial is different from everybody else's, just like everybody else's trial is different from everybody else's. God deals with us with children. And I noticed when I had three living at my house the first time that, that, that I had to deal with them differently. Each one of them differently. Uh, one I had to tear up and it still didn't make any difference. And I won't name that one. And one, I didn't even have to say boo to and she'll cry even now. And I don't have to name her Bethany. So, so the true beloved is constantly being tested. And because of that, you need to be thoughtful. A man bought a, a gadget from one of the stores, like y'all been buying stuff, and it was not assembled. Have y'all run into that yet? Uh, that's one of the most wonderful things to do, isn't it, fathers, at about two in the morning, putting together tricycles and stuff? Oh, I've done that. Yeah, Santa worked late that night. So, so the, the, the gadget, whatever it was, was not assembled, and the guy tried and tried to put it together by the instructions, he could not figure out the instructions. You ever been there? Exasperated with the instructions? He could not get it together. But there was a handyman that worked on his property. He went up, his old guy went up to him and says, I cannot get this together, but I got to get this together for Christmas. Could you help me? And the guy took a look at it, looked at all the parts for a minute, and then he started. And in a little while, he had it all together. And he didn't even look at the instructions. And the guy said, that's amazing. And you did it without even looking one time at the instructions. The old guy says, well, the fact is, I can't read. And when a fellow can't read, he's got to think. So what I'm suggesting to you just a little bit is, since we're under constant testing and we can't read into it and know exactly what's going on, we have to think, right? You have to do a little thinking. The true beloved are not only under constant testing, but they're under constant pressure. You say, well, I'm under pressure all the time. Yeah, just like everybody else. You know, when somebody's whining all the time about the pressure they're under, they're just not aware that the rest of us are as well. You, you, think, you think you're the only one under pressure? 
It just changes. The amount of pressure changes. And it goes up and it goes down just like barometric pressure. But everybody's under pressure. Everybody's under pressure. And if you're the beloved, you're under pressure. What do you need to do if you're under pressure? You need to remain calm. Just remain calm. Test pilots teach us this. Now, the test pilots are crazy people, but they say that when anything goes wrong, they have a rule. And it's like this. They ask themselves this question. Is the plane still flying? That's a good question to ask yourself when you say And so, is the plane still flying? If the answer is yes, then there's no immediate danger and you should not overreact and do something silly. Okay? Apollo 12. Y'all remember Apollo 12? Some of you never seen any Apollos go up, have you? I can tell your age. So, Apollo 12. Apollo 12, I believe, took off at night, but either way, it got hit by lightning on the way up. You remember that? And on its way up, and so when it got hit by lightning, uh, the three astronauts sitting there looking at their console, and everything started glowing orange and red and flashing. Just, and it looked like the whole thing was about to collapse. But because they were test pilots, they resisted something. They asked themselves the question, are we still flying? Is it still going up? And so you've got to resist the temptation to do something. We've got to do something. No, it's still flying. So this thing is still going in the right direction. The answer was yes. We're headed toward the moon. Let the lights glow a minute. And let's slowly address each and every one of these problems. And what happened is slowly the red lights and the orange lights began to blink out. One by one, they got past that and everything was working and they went on to the moon. Now that's something to think about in the middle of some of your pressure situations. Whoa, what are we going to do? Maybe the thing to do is, are, are we still flying? Maybe I need to just trust that we're still flying. Think first, stay calm, and then act. So as the real beloved in such a wonderful season as we're in. What I'm trying to suggest tonight is we need to be thoughtful and calm. So if you're looking at your credit bill and you're going crazy or whatever scaring you right now, just relax. I want to look at three calm thoughts for this. There they are. Whole lesson right before your eyes. The real beloved are exhorted to be, first and foremost in our text, mindful. It says in 2 Peter chapter 3, we're just going to look at verses 1 through 7 right here. It begins with the word beloved, the true beloved in this text. Beloved, that's you. He wrote to you. Beloved. By the way, it indicates what he feels toward the brethren, doesn't it? He loves you. This is an inspired writer, so it's the Holy Spirit ultimately saying it. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostle of the Lord and Savior. So you need to learn to be mindful Knowing this verse, 
that scoffers will come in the last days. Oh, and have they not come. More people than ever get on YouTube or something and just try to tell us how crazy we are for believing in God. Just relax a little bit. The plane's still flying. Walking according to their own lusts and saying, where's the promise of his coming? I haven't seen any sign of it. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Been 2,000 years, I don't see anything. Relax. The plane's still flying. Verse 5, for this they willfully forget. They want to forget this. In fact, they try to deny it in every possible way they can, scientifically and every other way. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in water, and by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. The world died through a flood. People may not believe it, still happened. Noah's real, it occurred, okay? Verse 7, but the heavens of the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So, first and foremost is to be mindful. You just need to keep in mind that God has been doing what God's been doing all along. The plane's still flying, Relax a little bit. The second little truth is the real beloved are exhorted in this text to be informed. What do you need to be informed of? Beginning verse 8. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Now, some people might want to make that literal. Maybe that is literal. But there's a real good possibility all he's really saying is. Is it time don't mean as much to him if you live forever? You know, what's the difference between a day and a month or a year or 10,000 years? What's the difference if you live forever? It doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, so just because it's taken a long time doesn't mean I've lied to you. Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He's not one to say something and then not do it. As some count slackness because we think about how humans are. So we think because it's been that long, well, if it had been that long for humans, they're not going to do it, right? Uh, But it's long-suffering toward us. The reason he's waited is he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's really for our benefit that he's waited this long. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come. So you need to be informed about this. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to happen at night, but of course it will. One side of the earth is going to be in darkness, right? So, one side of the earth, it will actually happen in the night. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief, as a thief in the night, in which the heavens, that just means you won't expect it, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be, and holy conduct and godliness. So what that means is you need to be informed. This is all coming to an end. No matter what they say, it's going to be over one day. How should you live? Be informed about that. Verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Now that's an interesting attitude. That means we're excited about this day coming. Hmm. Because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens 
and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So God's got a place for us. We don't have to worry about that. However this plays out, it'll be fine. There's a place waiting for us. But these things that we thought were so important are going to go away. And we need to be informed about that. If you're not aware of that, you need to be aware of it now. So the real beloved are are also exhorted to be prepared. So since that's true, not only do you need to be mindful, know that the plane's still flying, you need to be informed. One day the plane's going to crash. And then you need to be prepared for when that happens. Second Peter 3, beginning in verse 14. Therefore, beloved, again with the beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Try to be a good person. Not with some terrible sin. Not with some sin that if someone saw it, they'd say that's not a Christian. Verse 15, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. The reason the Lord's waited is to save all. As also our beloved brother Paul, again that beloved brother thing, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all of his, his epistles. So most of those epistles must have been written by this time. Speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Probably indicates that Paul was either dead or near dead by that point. Verse 17, you therefore, beloved, again with the beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Don't start believing the way the world thinks. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So that's the lesson. uh, And it's a really good lesson. You may not think so, but I think it's a really good lesson to remember at this season. That we should be mindful. The plane's still flying. We should be informed. One day the plane's going to crash. Therefore, we should be prepared. You just need to stay there. Don't allow your faith in Jesus to make you naive. If you're not careful, you become naive about false brethren. It's been the most interesting thing to me, as Deb and I have been in ministry all these 40-something years, that it has been brethren who've done us the most damage. Uh, Lied about us, uh, tried to hurt us, uh, get us fired, all kinds of stuff. It's been brethren. Just don't be naive. Some of the best brethren are not the best brethren. Don't be naive. Uh, And don't allow your faith in Jesus to make you naive about testing and pressure. Thinking uh, that way will just lead you to panic. Things can go so bad you just like, oh, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. You're not the only one facing trouble. What's happening to you has happened to others. Not exactly the way it's happened to you, but very similar to every last one of us. Somebody has had a very similar experience. So don't believe that God has somehow lost control. That's one of the things that I want to end on. That Don't believe God has somehow lost control and the guilty are somehow going to get away with it. That's not true. Uh, Judge Horace Gray, which you see on the left there, 
was a, a judge in Boston. He later, later became a Supreme Court justice. And he said to a man once who had escaped conviction in his court on a technicality, he had to let him go. And so to the man he's letting go, he said this, I know that you are guilty and you know it. And I wish you to remember that one day you will stand before a better and wiser judge and that there you will be dealt with according to justice and not according to law. Don't ever believe that somehow the guilty get away with it and you suffer. That's not the case. Okay? It's just simply not the case. And also don't believe that God has somehow lost control in that respect, but don't believe that God has lost control and all of your trials, all of your troubles, all of your problems have no meaning. Don't go there. That's not true. The other gentleman is William Sidney Porter, known as O. Henry. Now, he was one of the most popular authors around the turn of the previous century, the 1800, 1900 time. He wrote for years, but uh, his literary career really took off. Guess where he was? Prison. He went to prison. He was convicted of embezzlement. He worked at a bank in Texas and they convicted him of embezzlement and he sent him to prison for five years. Now it's believed about O. Henry or William Sidney Porter that he actually did not embezzle, but rather he was a lousy uh, accountant and it was carelessness and he didn't know what he was doing. That's what they actually decided later, but that's what the evidence seemed to suggest. He was just lousy at what he was doing. That he really wasn't embezzling. But he found out what he really was meant to do. While he was in prison for five years, he wrote some of his best known stories. And he became a premier author from prison. So what I'm starting to suggest to you is, is that sometimes the worst things that happen in your life are absolutely the best things that's happened in your life. So don't, don't get to the point where you don't believe God's in control and so your troubles are out of his hand and he doesn't know what's going on and he can't fix it. He can't get it to where it needs to be. And don't believe because the other people seem to be getting away with it and you're having so much trouble that those people, God is out of control. He can't even deal with the wicked. He will deal with the wicked and he will deal with the righteous. And you need not worry. Amen. So we've studied over the, the last few weeks the explanation of real knowledge, which was the gift, the ground, and the, and, uh, the growth of real knowledge. And we looked at how that uh, without examining uh, real truth, that you can get involved in destructive behaviors, depravity, and deception. And tonight, this is a simple thing. If you're the real beloved, and I believe you are, brethren, the beloved, if you're the real beloved then you need to be mindful. Don't, don't panic. The spaceship's still flying, okay? The airplane's still flying. I'm sorry that this is a rough time for a lot of people. I know that Christmas is a hard time for a lot of people. Don't panic. The plane's still flying. Be mindful. Be informed. Eventually, yes, the plane will crash. But God's in control of that. And just be prepared. That day's coming for us all. So such 
is the last words of the Apostle Peter to us. We need to listen. Let's be real. Let's come here for real knowledge, come here for real truth, and come here and be the real people of God, the true beloved. If you are not sure you're the true beloved, that's why we have an invitation at every service that we can. If you have been studying and thinking about you need to do something to make yourself among the true beloved, and you've decided you need to repent of your sins, confess Christ, and be baptized, we'll help you do that tonight. Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?